1: Hi, and welcome back to the Woman Warriors podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth Cush. Today, we are going to be talking with Donya Bumgarner. But before we get started, if you have ideas or thoughts or would like to be a guest on the podcast, you can reach out to me through my website, womanwarriors.com. That's warriors, not warriors. So woman, W O. R-R-I-E-R-S dot com. Click on the contact me button and send me an email. So Donya Baumgartner is a life coach for frustrated moms who are exhausted living in a culture that doesn't support them as moms or as women. She helps them get in control of all the parts of their lives. So being who they are makes sense again. Donya is also host of the Nurturing Habit podcast about the ways we nurture ourselves as whole women so we can live more complete and vibrant lives. Let's get started on this wonderful conversation. Hi, Donya. Thank you so much for being on the Woman Warriors podcast.
0: Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here.
1: Me too. I'm excited to to have this conversation. I know we chatted a little bit by phone to kind of figure out which direction we were going to go in, but I'm... um, Really excited to actually have a real conversation, yeah, and go forward. <laughs> I know with we those. kept
0: having to stop ourselves, like, oh, we should wait till we record again. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, <laughs> which means it's going to
1: be great. <laughs> yeah. Oh, totally. So, if you wouldn't mind uh, telling the audience a little bit about yourself and the work that you do.
0: Sure. I am a life coach. I, I I live in California. I live in the central coast of California. And I'm a life coach for women who feel frustrated in their lives. Like they have this feeling that there just isn't enough room for them in their lives. So whether that's uh, that they don't feel like they get enough support, or they don't, they just have too much going on, or they're trying to balance life and work and family, or maybe some crisis that happened in their family. Like they just have this sense that, it's just really frustrating. (laughs) Mm. So I help them find the energy and the time for them again in their lives. Um, And and that it's such joyful work for me because I really want there to be more happy moms in the world. And I feel like there are so many moms out there that I talk to every day that are just feeling really frustrated in their lives. So I'm hoping to create a world of happy moms.
1: Oh, that's a nice thought, and I probably could have used a little coaching back in my active mom days. My kids are older, but it yeah. was it was frustrating and hard sometimes, um, yeah, as, especially in the thick of it when they're younger. Well, and even adolescents, it's all hard. Yeah, the, it's the hard. whole
0: period. I mean, even if you have adult kids, it's just a different thing. But yeah, yeah, yeah when you're when you're in the thick of parenting, and it's interesting because you know coaching for moms is sort of like people don't even know it exists. But I think it's such an amazing thing to be able to support other moms. I'm a mom too. I have an eight year old. So Mm -hmm. I think it's just an amazing thing to support other moms. And I know how valuable it has been to them. So I hope I'm starting a revolution and that more moms will think of getting support (laughs) for their parenting. Yeah,
1: because, well, for one, it's not something as a culture, we feel like, Moms need coaches too. Like that's not that's not like the typical you're like, oh,
0: you just kind of know how to do it. It speaks to the bigger cultural thing, which is that, you know, women are supposed to know how to nurture. Like we're just supposed to be born being knowing how to be parents. Yeah. Which nobody is. And we're also supposed to do it really, really well. I mean, we're supposed to be like Pinterest perfect into Instagram perfect lives. And the reality is not that. And so we all feel like we're messing it up somehow, vaguely, mm-hmm. uh, like we're not following the rules that we're supposed to be following. And we could all use a lot more help.
1: Oh, for sure. For <laughs> sure.
0: Well, and like this whole, the
1: the piece of the social media adding to sort of our overall mom anxiety, like, mm-hmm. uh, I, I feel like sometimes social media paints this, as you said, sort of Pinterest perfect way we're supposed to be, you know, whether it's like the most amazing birthday party, or like, I set my table in this amazing way every day. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, wait a minute, I'm just happy to get dinner on the table every day,
0: right? Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So how do you see that sort of part of momhood and our culture today impacting women?
0: I think that that is a huge impact. And it's one of the things that I see as the biggest issues that mom face, modern moms face, because I mean, even if you look at how our parents, our mothers raised us, they were not comparing themselves to social media, they were not comparing themselves to what every other woman around them was doing. They just didn't have that kind of pressure. Yeah, they had different pressures, certainly. But it wasn't this comparison game. Mm -hmm. And so I think with the prevalence of social media and the, there's this other whole piece uh, that we can get into a little bit more, but uh, just about what the messages are that come down from the culture about what moms are supposed to be like and how that's much bigger pressure than our parents ever had. Mm -hmm. But just the piece of comparison from looking at the pretty pictures that everybody else is posting yeah. That can be so stressful because we forget, I mean, we know in our heads, but we forget that that's curated, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's not, they're not posting the, the temper tantrum, their two year old hat, they're posting <laughs> the really cute pumpkin picture that they just had at the pumpkin patch. Um, and it's making it look like their life is easy. And then we look around at the reality of our lives with the Cheerios on the floor and the tantruming toddler and didn't get enough sleep last night and fought with our partner as they were walking out the door. Um, You know, and we feel like, what am I doing wrong here? My life is never going to look like that. Where the reality is that photo was just an instant in a day that may have looked exactly like yours, Mm -hmm. but we don't see the rest of it.
1: And But two, even like I've noticed this on social media that even the posts about like okay, my toddler had a tantrum today and I screamed at him, but then there's this sort of twist like, and I learned to just be my best self, and you know, it's it's even beautiful bow, right? It's even painted in this lovely life lesson of like the struggle was there, but I overcame it. And sometimes it's just the struggle is there, like there isn't any overcoming it in that particular moment.
0: Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I have really, really tried in my own interaction with social media. I'm most active on Instagram. So I love taking pictures. My daughter is super photogenic. It would be really easy to have a beautifully styled Instagram feed, Mm -hmm. except that my house is not really (laughs) photogenic. (laughs) Only my child is. But I have really consciously tried to show up as real as I can, even in the context of I'm a coach for women. So I'm trying to present like, this is the life you could have. This is the life that, you know, I can help you build. Mm -hmm. But even in the context of that, I try to be really authentic about where my struggles are and. And also talk about the tools I'm using to get through them. But sometimes the tools are not working, or Mm. sometimes I forget to use my own tools. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And what what I find is that the posts where I'm sharing my struggles, whether it's a parenting struggle, or, you know, I'm not getting enough sleep, it's like my self-care struggle, or a relationship struggle, where I'm like, this is hard. Right. (laughs) I don't have the answer. This is just hard. And this is what it feels like to be in this moment those are the ones that get the most interaction. Wow. Yeah. You know, so what that tells me is that we're just craving that reality. We're craving knowing that other people are out there feeling the same things we are.
1: Yeah, yeah. So true. It's interesting. I, I've i been sort of reflecting on an Instagram post I put up probably about two weeks ago, and it, it's the title of it is, I think, things I sh- could, I can say to myself when I'm, what is it? When I'm, I'm not even remembering now. My mind just went blank. Uh, but oh, when I'm discouraged. Uh, and it's very, you know, they're self affirming, kind of like, this is really hard right now, but I know I'm strong, things like that. Mm-hmm. It got so many interactions. It was actually through Facebook because I shared it on Instagram and Facebook, mm-hmm. but like so many shares, so many, like it's my most popular post ever. And I'm like, this is just talking about things we could say to ourselves that are kind of encouraging. And like the reality is we all get discouraged sometimes. And yeah. it just, you know, I I, I don't right? know. It just sort of struck me as like, all right, well, maybe it is just this acknowledgement that we all do get discouraged and this happens. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So I want to go back to um, your point you know, you said there's two things. So this whole sort of societal expectation of what a good mom should be, and how that might contribute to women's anxiety and parent yeah. anxiety. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So what I discovered, so let me just give you a little bit of bit of my own background, just as uh, context. So I came to parenting pretty late. I was 38 when I had my daughter. So you know as as people do in their lives they think they're going to be the best parents they have it all figured out until they become parents right <laughs> <laughs> that's a fact for sure yep <laughs> so by the time i was 38 i had a lot of opinions about how you should parent um and then I I left my career when I was pregnant. I, was, I had been working at Apple as a project manager. And that was a long career. I was there for a decade. Mm. And I really, really wanted to be a stay-at-home parent. So we figured out a way to make that work. I left when I was pregnant. I came home to be a full-time parent. And I was going to do it the full-on crunchy way. I was going to be an attachment parent. I was going to make bread. I was going to have chickens in the yard. Yeah.
1: And make, then make
0: your own baby food. Totally, yeah, I was be all in. And how I describe that now is that I just became a six figure parent. Like I took all the energy that I was using in my career at Apple, and put it toward <laughs> parenting. It wasn't sustainable at Apple, and it wasn't sustainable. at <laughs> um, But the other thing that I realized that totally surprised me was that I kind of didn't like being at home with a baby. I was really bored. Mm. And it was really, really hard for me to admit that because I looked around at what the messages that I was getting from my culture. I mean, my local culture as well as like parenting culture, Mm -hmm. societal level. Mm -hmm. And I got so many props for being at home like, oh, you're the you're such an awesome mom to be able to put that much time into it. Like, I couldn't admit that I kind of hated it. Mm. <laughs> like, who was I going to tell that to?
1: Well, and, and sharing that is, might have... Cause some backlash,
0: right? Like, yeah. I don't want to be at home with my baby. <laughs> yeah, I'm, and and I felt really guilty about it, and yeah, I yeah. felt like I had walked away from a career that I couldn't really go back to, and mm. not that I really wanted to go back to my career either. But yeah, but then also I didn't have the answer, so it wasn't like, oh, I made a mistake, I'm going to go back to work. I was like, I made a mistake, and I have no idea what to do. <laughs> help. So, yeah, so I didn't know where to look for the answer. So I just started reading, you know, I just like what, what's out there? What's, you know, what's available for parents. And I so I started reading parenting books. I also have a very spirited child. Mm-hmm. So I was looking also for advice about how to deal with this very energetic, highly sensitive child that I had who was not like me. Mm. So I was sort of diving into parenting advice, looking for parenting advice from those two perspectives. Yeah. And pretty much everything I read felt wrong in some way. Hmm. Um, and it wasn't that it wasn't good advice, but it wasn't necessarily advice for us. Does that yeah. make sense? So like yeah. I was yeah. looking out there at all, like all these experts, but they were all saying, here's the one right way. Here's yeah. the way to be a good mom. Right. Here's the way to build a family that's going to be, you know, productive and blossoming and you know here's how to raise a smart kid and there was like I just had this gut feeling like I know I think I know the answers I just need to find my own answers because all of these people don't know us all of these experts don't know us and it wasn't that I couldn't take a little bit here and a little bit there I certainly learned some things from all those experts but as a big picture I felt like I was getting this message that there was no way I could do it right. Hmm. Everybody had a different white way to do it, and they all conflicted. Hmm. And then if you take that perspective just from like the parenting experts, all those books out there that we're all reading, how to get your child to sleep, how to get them to oh eat, how you know, when to wean them, you know, like there's a book on any topic you could possibly have. Absolutely. You know, even when your kids become teenagers, how not to raise a bully, how to, <laughs> how to <laughs> help your kids with sexting you know, yeah. it's all there, any question you have. And everybody has this is the right way to do that, and then you take the the media perspective of you hear these stories about a mother who maybe made a mistake,
1: mm-hmm. yes, and I
0: and I'm saying mistake like maybe she chose to leave her. Thirteen-year-old in the car, and then someone reported her, and then she got CPS called on her. You know, oh, like yeah.
1: oh yeah, she made
0: a poor de- decision, or yeah. maybe it totally made sense for her family at the time, and somebody else thought it was a bad decision.
1: Yeah, there was a there was a huge uh, in the papers for weeks here on the East Coast in the DC metro area, where parents allowed their, I think, like, maybe six, seven, eight year old type, I I think around that age, children Mm -hmm. sort of be in the neighborhood on their own, you know, walking Mm -hmm. from friend's house to friend's house. And Mm -hmm. maybe, you know, I think maybe some of the streets they lived in were a pretty populated suburb. So busy street with cars. Well, they got named in the papers, like free range parents. Like, and, and I'm like, Oh, my gosh, like these poor, and when you heard them interviewed, the mom and the dad, they're like, we just, you know, this is how we were raised. We'd like our children, yeah. we trust our children. We've talked to them about safety. Like, we feel okay with this. But oh, my gosh. But the public does not. Yeah. No. Does not right. No. And
0: on a slow news day, those parents are going to get vilified.
1: Oh, so <laughs> vilified. As I said, they were in the paper for a long time. Yeah. 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 But anyway, so
0: so when you hear those stories of parents just getting vastly judged, shamed, yes, shamed, Mm. then when you feel unsure about what your choices are in your own family, it becomes paralyzing to even know what to do. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's just such a hard, you
1: know, it's so hard to sort of tease apart, like, how am I just reacting to the societal piece? Or is this what I truly feel, believe, know to be a good or bad way of parenting?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a reality that we have to live in this society, you know, so there, there are Ways of parenting that are different. You know, expectations are different than when yeah. we were kids. You know, so you can't necessarily do just like what you did when you were a kid because it's just different now. Yes,
1: yes. No, that is absolutely true. I mean, I think of some of the things I did as a kid, and I'm horrified that yeah. <laughs> I would never let have let my kids. Yeah,
0: yeah. My my partner was raised in rural Alabama, and he talks about we've talked about this several times recently because he. For years, he would just kind of go off and into the woods and be gone for all day. Nobody knew where he was. Right. There's poisonous snakes out there. You know, there were no cell phones. Yeah. If anything had happened to him, he wouldn't, you know, no one would have found his body for month. Right. <laughs> right. And, and, you know, and we think about would we let our child do that? No, we absolutely would not. That's terrifying. Yeah. But it was perfectly normal. Yeah. In the seventies in Alabama. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, I can remember, you know, I was probably fourteen or fifteen. I lived in Philadelphia and I was allowed to take a train, a bus, and then another trolley to go visit a friend who lived in a different part of the city. Mm-hmm. I would just go by myself and you know, I'd leave from and like, yeah, my our moms were sort of friends, but I'm not sure anybody ever called to say <laughs> she made it safely right? She's here. And then,
0: you know, I'd come home
1: whenever. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. And based on the statistics, I I mean, the statistics I've read that the number of cases of child abduction and child harm have not actually changed. So it's not like it's less safe for children now. But our perception of the safety is really different.
1: Well, and we know so much more about the abductions when they happen. Right all over the country.
0: Yeah. And they and we get so much more detail about them than right, right. we used to and so it's just scarier for parents. So yeah, it's it's perfectly understandable that what we allow our kids to do now is very different than what our parents allowed us to do.
1: Absolutely.
0: And so, you
1: know, being the good mom, whatever that means, whether it's societal expectations or our own, you know, how do you help moms sort of find their own voice and what being a good mom means for them?
0: Yeah. Well, I really encourage coming back to your own self in your own family. So shutting out all the noise of all the things out there that people are saying you should do, even your parents and your in-laws have really loud voices on that topic. For sure. And just really connecting with you and your partner if you're parenting together or even if you're co-parenting separately in separate households, really being clear about what's most important to you. Mm. And so, for example, in, in my family, we are, we're really interested in exploration and adventure and learning and growing a child who has really good emotional intelligence. Mm. We are not about, the school with the best test scores right right, <laughs> right? yeah so yes. and and I'm kind of giving that example so it's like when you know what's most important to you then a lot of other decisions become easier so if you know in your family that you're really all about exploration and learning and emotional intelligence then you're gonna prioritize things like um, just for example with the school situation you're gonna Prioritize a school that has really interesting programs over right. high test scores. Right. You're going to maybe prioritize an alternative school over a public school. Mm-hmm. You're going to maybe prioritize travel more than ongoing after school activities that get in the way of taking off for a week. Right, um, right. Your budget's going to be different because if you're prioritizing travel, then you're not doing other things probably so that you can afford travel. So, when you're really clear on what's important to your family, then a lot of other bigger decisions become much easier to make. Mm. But also those daily decisions become easier to make. And And I say that because, and it takes a lot of practice. So I'm not saying like, just have a conversation about values and then it'll all be clear because it takes practice and it takes building habits around it. And it takes reviewing and resetting quite often because the seasons of raising children are very different. You know, it's very different to be in a household with toddlers than it is with school age children or with teenagers. Yeah. Yeah. And and
1: two, I mean, just thinking about values, like as a therapist, I talk about values in session because it does help people sort of identify if they don't know what their needs are, you know, well, let's think about mm-hmm. your values. And and there are times that people have a hard time identifying values too. So coming together yeah. and talking about that probably takes time.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, there's the values for the family. But then I also, I mean, where I start with my clients is I start with what's most important to you personally, right? Be- because that knowledge informs the family values, but it also informs how much you're going to really even deal with. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe that your personal family values are you want to have a career again or you want to build a business I mean that's what I ended up doing is I realized I didn't want to go back to a corporate career and I didn't want to be home with my baby full time but I did really want to be involved in her life
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know I, and and I um, I'm a cancer survivor so I also had this awareness that mm. I missed some of her life because I was in treatment for a year Wow, and I Don't know. I mean, I'm healthy now, but you know, whenever you're a cancer survivor, it's always in the back of your brain. It might come back. Like, I don't know how long I'm going to be in her life, and I don't want to miss it. Yeah, right (laughs) now. Yeah, and then regret. Yeah, that I missed her young years, and she's only eight, so you know, she's not going to be this little for long. Right. So that means that I chose. You know, I looked at my options, and I was like, well, what I want to do is build a business that I can run around her school time because I want to be able to volunteer in her school and I want to be able to pick her up after school and take her to, she does roller derby. So I want to be able to take her to roller derby. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's really fun. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So that means that means I have a very small business. So like, right, my personal values inform my career, as well as how I spend my time and how I parent. So it's like my own awareness of what's important to me and how I want to parent her, and how I want to be present for her informed a large chunk of my life.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, and I feel like that work, whether it's, around parenting, or even just personal work, like, what are what are my values, but what do I need from whatever it is? Yeah. And I think for women, that's, that can be hard. We're so used to taking care of everyone else's needs, Mm -hmm. that to really sit down and say, like, what do I need? And is it okay for me to, to advocate for that?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I see so often that moms, um, especially moms who are more at home parents, this is less with moms who are working because their schedules are just so full already, but moms who are at home parents or part-time at home parents, at least Mm -hmm. we get sucked into volunteering. Oh yes. (laughs) Because if you're in any kind of community, I mean the Derby community, the school, just in my life, like the Derby community, the school community, they're asking for volunteers all the time. And if you seem sort of available and if you seem sort of skilled, you're going to be asked for help. And Women are culturized to say yes to mm-hmm. things and to oh. offer our help. And it is so hard for us to say no because for so many reasons, but mostly for people because they're afraid that they won't like us. Right. Or, or they'll they, be, they mad be mad at, at us. At yes. Us, or they'll be mad at us, exactly. Yeah. So this this process of being really clear about your own values and your own needs also lets you set boundaries with much more strength and I want to say like kindness, like being able to set a boundary that's like, hey, I really appreciate that you asked me to help with that, but I don't have space right now. Right. Um, Which is a very different answer than like, no, oh my God, I'm so exhausted (laughs) (laughs) or saying yes and then really resenting it or, you know, yeah. Yeah. so, uh, you know, just to go like to come back to my own life, like in my life. I volunteer at my daughter's school one day a week. I work in the school library. I'm the head librarian at the school library. Mm. And I love that job. It's a big time commitment. (laughs) Yes. yes. And every school year, my our principal probably doesn't know this because he's assuming that I've like committed for the six years we're going to be at the school. But every school year, I like reevaluate my life. Do I still want to do this? Can I still commit this much time and feel good about it? Yeah. And so far, the answer is always yes. But I have to check in with myself, like, where am I? Where's my business? Where's my energy? Am I doing all the other things I want to do? If I didn't spend these eight hours in the school on Tuesday? What could I do that I'm having to say no to now? And is that important to me?
1: Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I was reading an article uh, in counseling today, and it was uh, about saying no. And one of the points the columnist said was that by saying no to one thing, you're saying yes to something else, which I thought was such a nice thing. Like, yeah. like, yeah, like, what would I do if I said no, just in, you know, to use your story as an example, if I said no to the the library job? I would be saying yes to I can use this six hours in whatever this way is.
0: In whatever way. Yeah. yeah. I mean, maybe yeah. I would grow my business or maybe I would yeah. get a second job or, you know, who yeah. knows what I would do with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But very cool. It's such a that's such a great way to look at it. And the other way to look at it is sometimes saying no to somebody else means you're saying yes to you. Yes, 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 yes. and And that's part of self care, right? Like yeah, we are absolutely. taking
1: care of ourselves if we sometimes if we say no, which I think sometimes people get that a little bit confused. Like <laughs> that like I'm not being
0: kind or I'm not right. and that's that's not good for me or whatever. But well and especially if the person that you're saying no to is a partner or a family member or your child. Which mm-hmm. sometimes you need to do. I mean yeah. I sometimes say no to my daughter. My you know, my daughter would love me to do everything for her. Um, And so for, you know, for example, yesterday, she ate her dinner, we ate our dinner together, and then she was still hungry later. And I was like, I'm off duty. (laughs) I already did my kitchen work. I'm now sitting on the couch reading a book. So no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> saying no to cooking you more dinner. And I believe you're capable of making your own peanut butter jelly sandwich. So have at it. Right? Know? Not saying no, that you can't eat. It's just no that yeah. I'm not going to prepare exactly. this for you. Exactly. Um, and then I, you know, what I was saying yes to was I needed a little bit of downtime between dinner and bedtime, because bedtime's <laughs> kind of rough in our house. So yeah, yeah, that's what I needed to do.
1: Exactly. And taking care of yourself by saying no. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, this is Um, just one more, like, because self-care, I mean, I know we, it's, I feel like, well, probably as a therapist, I see more posts about it than maybe the average person, but it does feel as if this sort of self-care drum is kind of out there constantly, like, we should be taking better care of ourselves. We need to, as women, we need to, but it's hard. Women are not it's really hard. In my experience,
0: women are not very good at taking care of themselves. Yeah, it's. I I agree. I think it's definitely trending right now. In the last year or so, I'm seeing a lot of conversation about this in print media, print media as well as online. Mm-hmm. Which is great because I talk about it, so people want me to come talk about it. <laughs> that's a good thing. It's good for your so, business. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but what I struggle with in the general conversation that's happening is that it's again, it's like, you need to do this thing mm-hmm. with sort of not quite enough information about what that thing is or how to make it happen. Yeah. So again, moms are feeling like they're failing because they're not doing self-care right.
1: Yeah. yeah. So
0: what, what I really like to talk about around the realm of self-care is that it's not getting your toes painted. It's not getting a massage. It can be those things. But it, self-care is really anything you need to feel good Anything you need to feel better than you are. So self-care is also learning how to say no. Self-care is learning how to set boundaries. Self-care is putting yourself to bed on time and practicing the habit of turning Facebook off. Oh, yes. It's also scheduling doctor's appointments. And, you know, it's like Mm -hmm. there's this great um, Instagram account called Boring Self-Care. And it's like, you know, she does these little drawings and it's like, boring self-care today was I went to bed on time. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's like, you're not going to get any words for the self-care, but it's also essential. Oh, so, so essential. I I really want to open up this conversation about what is self-care and how do we do it? Because everybody's self-care is going to be very, very individual. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually just about to launch a class where I'm going to be walking women through how to create their own personalized self-care plan hmm. whether they just have a few minutes or if they have a whole bunch of time because sometimes women feel like my life is so busy I can't possibly cram anything else in me like trying to go to a yoga class that's just not going to happen right. well your self-care is probably not a yoga class then your self-care might be two sun salutations right first thing when you get up in the morning yeah. and so it's like that creatively looking at what do you need what are you craving and and what do you need in your life? And then looking at the reality of your life and figuring out how to f- meet in the middle.
1: Yeah, how to fit it in or, or mm-hmm. yeah, make it happen.
0: Yeah, well, with, with what you have available or how to make just a little more time instead of feeling like you have to make hours and hours.
1: Absolutely. Well, and one other point around self-care too is that I know from client work is that if self-care was not prioritized in your family or if you were... Mm-hmm. Shamed or guilted around making self-care, you know, asking for what you needed. It can be very uncomfortable to mm-hmm. to actually implement things that are are important just for your health, for your well-being. Like just mm-hmm. stopping to have like a lunchtime, right? Like giving yourself time to eat midday and not just work through lunch hour or. Mm-hmm stop and have a glass of water or go to the bathroom or whatever right. it is, you know?
0: Yeah. And if you weren't in a family that modeled that, you probably don't have any self-awareness of even needing a glass of water. Yes. You know, like exactly. you don't have the skill to like slow down enough to even check in with yourself. Right. About what do you need? Yes. And that's something that my clients do bump up against when we're first working together, you know, and I say, well, what did you like to do when you were a kid? And they're like, I have no idea. Yeah, right. (laughs) I I don't know, you know. Yeah. So even asking yourself, what do I like? What do I need? Mm -hmm. You may need some support to get to that place to even be able to answer the question.
1: Yes. And that's fine. That doesn't
0: mean there's anything wrong with you.
1: No, no, no. But it just, yes, it just means some, yeah, sort of work around what were the messages? Where did this come from? Mm -hmm. Is this something that you created yourself? Or this is just a thing that you were taught and just have Mm -hmm. taken on? Yeah. So, Jonia, this conversation was so fun. And I really wish we could talk for another half an hour. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, are there resources or tips that you feel like would be important for moms out there who maybe are struggling with their, you know, frustration and exhaustion and just momhood?
0: Yeah, well, if I can, I'd like to um, pitch my own podcast. Absolutely. Because I think it's a great resource for those things. Um, My podcast is called nurturing habit. And it's all about the ways that we can nurture our own self habits. So Mm. it's it's not it's it's about self care, but it's definitely not about the self care that you'll find on Pinterest. So I have guests like um, I had a recent guest who's a financial coach who was talking about budgeting. Mm. I've had a I had a recent guest who was a sexual communication coach, and we talked about how to ask for the things that you need, whether it's in the bedroom or out of them. Mm. So we, ha- I have really interesting conversations with people, and I try to come at what is self-care from a lot of different angles. And with this overarching theme of how do we create the habit of taking care of ourselves first so that we can have the kind of life we want to have.
1: That's awesome. That sounds great. So yes, listeners, tune into that podcast too. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. And uh, how do people find you? Yeah, you can find me nurturinghabit.net is my main website. You can find the podcast there. You can get on my mailing list to get all the different things I send out. You can you'll be able to find my self care class there. Um, I'm also pretty active on Instagram. And I'm nurtured mama on Instagram.
1: Nice. Um, I do
0: have a business Facebook page, but I'm not there a whole lot. <laughs> yeah,
1: totally get that.
0: Yeah, because yeah. Facebook is such a time sink. <laughs> <laughs> it
1: can be it's so easy to just get sucked in to yeah. the vortex. Yeah. So um, do you have the things that are coming up either, um, you know, in your business that um, you would want to let the audience know
0: about? Yeah, well, mostly, I have um, the podcast is ongoing. And I have the self-care class, which is coming up. I don't know how soon you're releasing this this episode, but I will be doing a self-care challenge um, starting October 9th. And then I will be kicking off a live version of the self-care class starting, um, I'm just looking at my calendar here, starting October 17th. So I will be teaching it live. And so that will include group coaching. And um, that's going to be really fun. It's going to be just a three-week class. So that's that's the big thing that I have upcoming. Cool. That sounds um, but awesome. But beyond, beyond that, I mostly do one-on-one coaching. So if people are curious about how to work with me and what kind of support I can offer, I am would be happy to hop on the phone and talk about what I do and what kind of support they need and if I can help them.
1: Nice. Awesome. Well, thanks again for spending some time with us this, today. And I, I just really appreciate your insight and Willingness, willingness to have some humor around this pretty yeah. important topic.
0: Yeah, well, thank you for inviting me. It's a topic I love to talk about. All right.
1: Thanks again for joining me in this conversation with Donya. I really uh, connected with her and enjoyed her spin on her business and helping moms create a life that feels meaningful to them. I think the thing that I love the most about podcasting is I get to talk to interesting, informative people all around the world. And oftentimes I come away from those conversations with this sense of true connection and understanding. And it it just feels good. So I hope that you also get that same sense as you're listening and that you come away from these conversations with something new that maybe you hadn't thought about before and maybe some skills that will help you with your stress and overwhelm and exhaustion and anxiety. So all the links for Donya's social media, coaching events will all be in the show notes. So you can check those out at womanwarriors.com. Have a wonderful week. Take care of yourselves. I will see you next week on the podcast. Ciao for now from this woman warrior.
0: Thanks for listening and subscribing to the Woman Warriors podcast. Music was written and performed by Andy Cush. If you'd like more information on this episode, you can find the show notes, the resources shared today, and links to the guests' profiles at womanwarriors.com.